This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. I have an amazing guest for you today. He's the co-founder of Praxis Metrics. He's an Amazon best-selling author. He's the host of the Data Rich podcast. And he helps companies turn their data into gold, or as he likes to call it, growth. <laughs> He's founded eight different successful companies over the course of his life. And today he works with clients all over the world in over 22 countries. He's worked with organizations like NBC Universal, Organifi, Keller Williams, ranging from startups to billion-dollar companies. He's been featured in Inc. Magazine, Business Week, CNN, and was also voted top 30 under 30. He's an international speaker, and he's been leveraging the power of using data to drive human behavior and get massive results. And we do mean massive, as my guest today has a record of helping his clients make millions. Please join me in welcoming AJ Yeager. Hello there. Hello. Man, thank you so much for that introduction. Just your voice is so calming. I always love being around you, so I appreciate our time together. Thank you. As do I, and it's it's really a pleasure to have you. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the past few months, and yeah. it just keeps getting better and better. Seems like longer than that. Seems yeah, like it, longer than that. it does. And, you know, our conversation today couldn't be more timely because yeah. we're seeing, you know, you've, you've dedicated your life to helping really bring data to individuals, to organizations, and to really translate uncertainty into clarity to help people make better decisions and you've single-handedly delivered some pretty impressive results so let's dive into that thesis how did your obsession with data come about and you know how does this feel even more relevant even more timely even more critical right now for businesses mm. all over the world great question and i want to i want to preface it by saying this i'm not a data scientist I didn't even do that particularly well in uh, math class. I was more on an English side and the creative side. So if I can be data-driven, if I can understand how to use data to improve my life, my health, my business, my relationship and all that, then anybody can do it. So I'm not here being like a super total math nerd. And I say nerd like nicely because I think we're all nerds. Um, but, but I come from you from an understanding of like, you can do it too. And, and data is more important than ever. Uh, especially in this uncertain times that we're in because data tells a story. Numbers never lie. They will just sometimes tell you a story that you may not want to hear, which can get you, put you in check. So right now, a lot of people I think are um, having a little freakouts or having a lot of uncertain emotions that are going on. And uh, the way that my partner and I, Megan, my, my adventure partner, my, my uh, life partner and my business partner look at it is that if we can just take a deep breath and start with where we are right now 
get a hold of our not only finances or our sales, but all of our data and look at it with our team, then we can make much better decisions than just guessing and trying stuff and seeing what sticks on the wall, right? We want to make decisions that are going to help all of us um, cut waste because part of optimization, a lot of people want to optimize, optimize, optimize. And that's nice, but I really feel like when we can look at areas of waste, wasted time, energy, or money, if we can, if we can reduce those areas, you're automatically going to optimize. You're always going to be better. So right now is a great time to clear out all the stuff you don't need and don't need, don't need to do, um, and then that's automatically going to catapult you. I love that. Let's dig in first into the psychology of decision making. Right. And the, the, the emotional and psychological response we have to uncertainty, because as entrepreneurs, what we're in the business of is turning uncertainty into certainty. Right. We're usually incentivized to solve problems that people haven't solved before or solve it in a new way. We're usually um, rewarded for bringing things into reality that haven't existed before that have just been in people's imaginations or sometimes not even that. And we go where people either haven't gone before or aren't willing to go before. We do the things that you know people really aren't willing to do, which is sit with this uncertainty and shoulder this uncertainty and sit with this risk. And our reward as entrepreneurs is directly proportional to our ability to withstand this discomfort of not knowing, to hold that tension of not having um, a guaranteed reward because you know the people who want to go into business who can't handle the uncertainty they're the ones who are called small business owners mm. they're the ones who buy you know they'll start a franchise they'll start a restaurant they'll start you know um, a store they'll they or they are in the service industry doing plumbing electricity which and you know these people can make fabulous money there's you know seven eight figure entrepreneurs who are just doing what's been done what will always need to be done and you know that's their risk profile but entrepreneurs are a different breed we live steeped you know marinating in this uncertainty we marinate in risk we marinate in the unknown and our success is directly proportional to how we can turn that into something real something tangible something of value so what is that journey like for the people that you work with and how does this idea of using data to create this transformation really fit in hmm. that's a great question so in our experience and what we're seeing right now across you know a few hundred clients um, it's kind of all across the board we mainly work with e-commerce companies so i'm going to just speak to the realism of what we're experiencing We've got customers that are saying every single day it's Black Friday because they're in health, wellness, fitness, um, anything that's having to do with communication, things like that. Like some people are crushing and others on the other side, we're seeing a, at least 15 to 35% drop in conversions and sales. Not everything's, it's not like it's closing down. They're just seeing that drop. Um, also across the board, we're seeing people pull away from Facebook advertising and spending the money. Uh, which on the upside is helping out um, lower the cost per acquisition. So we're starting to see personally, we're on, we're online and we're spending money. We're seeing our leads go up and our costs go down. So there's ups and downs all over the place. So 
we're seeing on acquisition, on operations, and on delivery, things are being affected by it right now. And we see the data that's straight up like verifying that. Um, so I guess that's where we are. The other part of your question was then how are we combating that, right? How are we helping with that? Is that what you'd like to go into? Yeah, and but before we do that, I think I want to highlight something very, very key in what you said, which is your ability to see opportunity in times of crisis is directly proportional to the fact that you've been tracking metrics. Yep. You're, you have the data, and the data is what is telling you that there is an opportunity because your CPAs are going down and your cost per lead is going down. You're able to acquire customers at a much lower rate, which means you're, you know, there is an opportunity to invest some cash into advertising yep. because you know what, and you probably already know what a lead is worth to you. You know probably how long it takes to um, close a new prospect. Yep. You know the lifetime value of a prospect. And therefore, you know that if you invest say $10,000 this month in Facebook advertising, there's a payback period, there's an ROI, and you can project. And when you make that decision to invest in marketing right now, when everyone else is pulling money out of marketing, that's an empowered decision. It's clear, it's decisive. You feel strong and comfortable about it. And it's powerful. Big time. Yeah, the tracking is everything. So let me... Let me kind of uh, simplify the way we look at data. Data is information. That's it. Data doesn't have to be you know, thought of as spreadsheets or really complicated stats like statisticians. Data is information. It comes in all different forms. So let's simplify it to just information. Our ability to look at information and process that um, is going to be what the competitive advantage is. Actually, we like to say taking action on data is the new competitive advantage. So you've got to understand from an entrepreneurial perspective, uh, since that's the topic we're on, um, we need to know the numbers from acquisition all the way through in our business in, by each department. There's a lot of, lot of data. Uh, big data used to be uh, only for reserved for enterprise companies. That's no longer true. We have big data everywhere on our phones, right? Everything is tracking data all the time. So it comes down to, are we tracking the right data? Because we can have softwares, we can have our Infusionsofts and our Shopify's and our Google Analytics and all that stuff that we're using. By the way, average uh, SMBs have about 18 different softwares around their business. Enterprises have in just the marketing department alone, over 200. This is a lot of stuff going on. So let's simplify this. Tracking is all about collecting the right data. Sometimes our softwares are out of the box collecting the right information. And sometimes they're not. And we don't know that they're not. So we've got to start with uh, the question of like from acquisition, let's start with marketing and sales because it's sexier and that's where the ROI is. Our, is our team, is our softwares uh, all set up so that we can collect a lot of data and then assimilate that at a later time? Tracking is super important. Now, I don't want to get too in the details, but like Google Analytics is a free tool and it's amazing for tracking your website stuff. But when you're using UTM codes, uh, which are urchin tracking mechanisms, which are a free thing, you need to be using on every single marketing activity. Blog posts, uh, events like this, you even can have a UTM code, um, your ads, every single ad variation, uh, anything, social organic posts. If you put 
these tracking links on each one of those, then you can start to answer the question, where are my best customers coming from and how can I continue marketing to those people? That's going to be the beginning of your journey and your story, your data story here to help you get into things like lifetime value. Are they coming back to buy more? Are they not? And at each stage, it's this process of collecting data, analyzing the data, making decisions, taking action, and then coming back and doing it all over again. It's a big cycle. I don't have my visuals or my whiteboard because I'm not at my normal office, but uh, that's kind of the circle that we go in. Let's take a quick detour and talk about normal office because you know, you've been on the remote bandwagon well before it was cool and well before it was, let's this you know, call a spade a spade, mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're and so, curve, yep. Yeah, describe what that's like and describe how being um, forward-thinking as an entrepreneur has given you a massive competitive advantage Ooh. right now when everyone else is scrambling. Thank you for, for acknowledging that. Like we're, we're actually, people are asking us how the heck are we supposed to like do all these things we were doing when we had an office. I mean, I've been remote personally for, since before I had Jaeger Media Group, like when I had a, a, a supplement company back in the day. So it's been like, it's normal to me. My norm is this, traveling the world, being wherever we want to be in whatever time zone and still getting things done. So normal to us is only, um, uh, like where, where we are, like our normal schedule and our ways of communicating with our team, that's that's normal to us. I just don't have my whiteboard and my normal setup that, like that's in Austin, Texas, because we're here in, uh, in Orem, Utah right now. But uh, everything else to us is, is normal because our whole team is remote for the most part. We have the tools set up already. There are minimal amount of uh, tech stack so that they can communicate with each other. And all the SOPs and the processes are all up in the cloud. And our whole team can be anywhere they want to be. So it's been really nice being ahead of the curve and helping other companies like take a deep breath and, and you know assure them that we look, you can get this done. It's okay. You don't have to be in the same physical space. But I get I guarantee I, I bet it's a, a massive headache for a lot of companies out there. So if there's anybody who has questions or they want to type in some questions, we can jump into those. Um, hopefully it answers your questions. Like it feels really good to be ahead of the curve. And I, I want to add that I think I'm really excited for what this is going to do to the whole dynamic of cities, to letting people not be so convoluted in the big cities and like spread out a little bit. The human race can like finally start to spread out and be where they want to be and realize they don't have to be all, all up in these buildings all day long. Yeah. And having lived 17 years in New York, it's, it's, <laughs> you know. it's, it's really incredible, right? How our entire society is socially, politically, geographically orientated towards, you know, office space. Yep. There's a kind of funny story is like, usually people thought I was always on vacation or Megan and I would be on calls with clients on normally scheduled client calls. And they're like, well, I appreciate being on the call, but we'll just talk when you get back from vacation. We're like, vacation? Aren't we, aren't we here doing business right now? There might be a beach behind me. And I'm enjoying my work from there, but that doesn't mean I'm on vacation. I'm just working in a different style. And so it's fun to see some people aren't turning on their video screens because I know they didn't shower yet. They got kids in the background. They're like, oh, I'm too embarrassed. It's like, just turn it on. This is real life. Even though you're not, it, I think it's redefining the definition of what's professional. It's like people will say, oh, don't have a bed in the back of your thing or don't have, you know, certain things happening. But it's like, 
it's kind of how, how it is when you're remote, you want to protect your and control your environment as much as you can. I'm doing the best with what, what I, what I have here, but we're still human beings and we still know that life happens. So it's interesting to see how this is going to change for people. Let me ask you something. This might be going out on a limb, but has being so data savvy, data centric been one of the reasons why you've been able to operate virtually so well and so effectively? Yep. Big time. So, so we talked about um, not wasting time, energy, and money. Our whole team does time audit challenges often, but we also have everybody track their time. Now, some people may be like, really, that's like the worst thing to do. Now, not only because we're an agency, but just because time is one of our most valuable assets. If we did not track the time of all of our team members, owners included, Megan and I, we would not then be able to do our audits that let us know, are we being effective and efficient with our time from a billing standpoint, but also just an efficiency time. So tracking your time as an entrepreneur and as a business owner and with your whole team allows you to really navigate those waters, especially with a remote team. Because if we have a, a project or a client deliverable and we know the end result we're trying to get to, but we weren't tracking the time, not only would we not be able to bill appropriately, but also some of our team members, we wouldn't be able to, to say, wait a minute, we know the data, what it takes to do X, Y, Z. Why did it take you two weeks when it should take two days? Our management, our operations team can keep everybody on, 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 um, on track there. And having the dashboard showing, this is our typical sales cycle. This is our typical delivery for this type of product uh, really helps us. So we are constantly data-driven. We're constantly developing better dashboards or better ways for us to be accountable to our clients, but also accountable to ourselves. Data is at the core of all of that. Yeah, and this is a mandatory exercise for every one of my clients because yep. I, I'm yet to meet an entrepreneur who doesn't complain of being overwhelmed. Yep. And sure. every single one of those situations, what I find when they go through the time audit is a lot of their time is basically being wasted on, on putting out fires, short-term things, emotional reactions, um, ways to... Some entrepreneurs are actually creating problems to give themselves something to solve so that they feel special. Yep. Or worthy. Right? Or worthy. Yeah. And doing a time audit is probably the single biggest gift you can give yourself as an entrepreneur because you will finally understand where your time is going. Ideally, do it for a week. If you can, mm -hmm. do it for a month because yep. it will completely change your life. It will completely change the way you do business. And I want to make sure we, we emphasize what you just said there. It literally can change your life, and it will if you do it all the way. Now, minimum, minimum of, of a week in our opinion, it's like two weeks to a month. Two weeks is, 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 is great. Every time we've challenged people, that's why you call it a time audit challenge. This is not for the, the faint of heart. This is not easy to do. Um, and it's not difficult either, but it's like, there's, there's several different ways we can even talk about how to do that. But like every single person that actually did a time audit challenge in 15 minute increments, sometimes 30, but usually 15 minutes, they start to get an actual slap in the face. And, and when they thought, oh yeah, I don't really not watch that, net, that much Netflix or, oh no, no, I, I, I work this many hours a day. They start to see the real truth of, of oh my God. I can't believe I spend two hours in the bathroom. I can't believe I do this. And people came up to us. They're like, I thought I had control of my time. I thought I knew what I was doing. 
people see how much time they spend taking their t- kids and dropping them off to all these different things. You're like, why don't I just do, you know, a car share or a, or a, or a carpooling or whatever. And it, it brings to light the things that are most important to them in their time. And then because it becomes a painful thing, they want to move away from that pain. And then it's like, okay, they're like, I know what I'm going to do exactly. And then they start to time block their time differently. That's kind of the next step. If you're not a time blocker, now you can realize what needs to change and then you can shift the calendar to affect that. So I think this is one of the biggest takeaways that people are listening. Doing a time audit challenge is one of the most important, powerful things you can do, especially right now, when if you're going from an office situation to being at home or wherever you are remote, is one of the best things that uh, is worth your time. And it's also going to be one of the most difficult things because I compare this to looking at your financials, right? These are things that people want to avoid and they try to avoid and they avoid at all costs because we at some level at an emotional level psychological level we actually don't want to know yeah right the biggest block to being data centric data savvy and and having all the the information to make better decisions is actually not the availability of the information it's our resistance our avoidance of the information because if i actually have proof empirical evidence of how I waste my time, then I'm going to have to ask myself why I do that. I'm going to have to confront those tendencies. I'm going to have to confront those patterns of avoidance and self-sabotage. I'm going to have to ask myself, why do I procrastinate so much? Why has this been a tendency for three decades or four decades? Why do I task switch so much? Why do I keep distract- being distracted by this so much? Same thing with, with money, right? Money is another area where we avoid yep. and we we don't look at the books. We don't do the books. We don't want to see the numbers. We put on our horse blinkers mm-hmm. and it's like head in the sand, mixing metaphors, but whatever. Because <laughs> if I can't see it, it's not there, right? If I can't see it, then there's no problem until there is a problem. And now the problem's compounded. It's really grown. And now because of co- the problem is so big, and I've been guilty of this, man. I've been guilty. Like I hate doing tracking my books. And, you know, it's been, the more it grows, the more intimidating it gets and the less I want to do it. And the more space it occupies in the back of my head, because it's a constant reminder. And this is huge. And that's, to me, the psychology of, of this is actually the main reason why people aren't more data savvy. They aren't using all the information that they can use to make better decisions. And, I, you know, I really want to also get into how you're bringing this um, this use of data, not just in business, but into your personal life as well. Because you and Megan are do, doing some really crazy shit. Yeah, we we are. Um, and I think you you were over for dinner when we talked about the how do we quantify love, right? Yeah. And and in relationships, and so Let's talk about we, that. We, we yeah. do. Yeah, we do some interesting stuff. And not only time and the efficiency and productivity, but like also measuring our, our love and tracking that. So one one fun story is about <laughs> about the love languages, right? I don't know if anybody's read the five love languages. Great book. Mine are physical touch and affirmation. Megan's are quality time and service. Actually, service and then quality time. Slowly becoming gifts, which is interesting, but but mm-hmm. service and, and quality time. So in near the beginning of a relationship. Now we've literally had maybe three fights and they weren't even that big of fights, but um, because we track from our nutrition to our, our time in our, in our, our love life, 
sex, you know, intimacy. We kind of score lots of different parts of our personal life consistently. Um, I would, I would, I would experience this uh, kind of uh, lack of lack of intimacy when Megan would not physically touch me or give me affirmation. Sometimes I could go days, and I like that on a daily basis. Her strength is not those things. So um, anytime I would feel kind of, I would, I would start to go distance or a little bit moody or a little bit short with her. Um, she always would say, well, you need to fix it. You need to work on yourself. We're very much about self-development. She's like, that's your shit. You work on it. You do your own thing. You know how to fix it. But she put it on me. And um, this happened after a couple, two, this, after the third one, we looked at this and said, okay, this, this is not just me. So let's look at this from a data perspective. And what we looked at, was what we what we found is that um, my 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 uh, love meter is like a bank account or a or a battery, right? The more I got physical touch or 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 affirmations, it was full. But as I got to this low red yellow area, I would get irritated and like I would be feel distant and not connected and in love with with Megan. I loved her, but it's like I didn't have a connection. I'm an empath. I wanted that connection. So what we ended up finding is that uh, because of her lack of doing that, it it kept me in that state. So she ended up, we looked at the data and saw that she literally had gone maybe a week without even doing any of that. Yeah, we would maybe cuddle and stuff at, at night, but it wouldn't be initiated by her. And so we did a test. Um, she started taking action on this data and created an alarm on her, on her uh, phone, just like a simple alarm, go touch AJ at 3.33 p.m. So she got the data. She saw that it wasn't just mine, that actually, in fact, was her lack of doing something, right? She could have just, we could have had arguments. We could have just gone about it the normal way and just yell at each other or whatever. Uh, for most people, that can happen. But she looked at the data and she said, oh, how do I make this change? By doing that every single day, even though on the third floor where I work in, in Austin, I heard the alarm go off, didn't matter to me. I knew that I was going to get the physical touch and that affirmation, right? And so it got better and better. And I always had my, my reservoir or my battery filled up. And so that's one little tiny element of how our relationship got better. And where, where sometimes that one thing, as it festers and gets better, it gets harder and harder and worse, that can lead to divorce. That can lead to worse fights and, and, and abuse and things like that. Whereas just that little piece of data, she was able to actually take action, which I respect her more for doing that. And then there's other parts of our lives where, I look at the data and look at, you know, when's the last time I got her flowers? When's the last time I, I massaged her foot, even though physical touch isn't her necessarily her, her best thing, but did I take out the garbage? Did I do the service-based things? I wake up every morning and now it's a habit, but I make her her tea, make her a coffee, set out her, her supplements. Like I do that as a service to her every single day before she even gets up. But at, at the, in the beginning, it was looking at the data looking at it, she wouldn't drink water. She wouldn't do her supplements on her, on her own. I'm very disciplined in that way, but she needed that help. So that's just one couple of examples of how you can use data in a relationship and a personal life. I love that. Can you also share, because this is, I'm sure people are listening and they're like, wow, this is amazing. But how is this practically working? So can you share mm -hmm. how you were tracking that and how you were able to keep your pulse? Because I think that aspect of this is so deceptively simple yep. and it's so actually, it's so easy. It's so easy. So I've got, got, got an app for that. Um, 
this is the way we tracked that specific one. If we go back to the example of um, the physical touch, we use, uh, I've been using this one. It's called coach.me. It's an older app, but it's cool because it's a habit tracker. I literally have daily journal. Uh, did I have a massage today? Did I drink coffee? It's a yes or no. Did I do this thing or did I not do this thing? It's a very simple swipe. I just swipe it across. Um, write in my journal, meditate, did an intermittent fast today, alcohol or no alcohol, work out, that kind of stuff. So Megan and I were doing that on a daily basis. And so when we um, identify the, the piece of data we need to track, we added it in here as a thing. Um, and so that's, that's one way we would track it is we use apps and technology to help us make it very, very simple. Um, in the personal life, I have a whole list of apps and things that we use that I can share, no problem. I got, I got a link uh, to a PDF or, or something that we can use. But it's basically that is like um, one, tracking it in some sort of a form, whether it's an Excel form or in a journal, it doesn't matter. Like put it, start tracking it down somewhere. But then the second piece, and this is where most people skip it, is that they'll track it and they'll never go back and analyze it. And so you literally have to, to, to time block uh, protected time for this, whether it's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, instead of analysis and all these data terms, I call it RMD time, review my data. That's it. RMD. This is you sitting down with the information you've collected over the few days, week, month, whatever it is. I like to do things on a daily basis for 15 minutes at the end of the day. And then once a week, I look at my day, data from the week, from health data to, to the personal habits, to all of my food, all my meals and stuff I track on my fitness pal. Um, you have to have RMD time. That's when you look at what you've tracked and ask yourself questions uh, to help you gather insights and reflect on that. And then how are you going to take action to change that thing moving forward? This can be done with goals, can be done with habits, can be done with, with uh, personality traits and things you want to change with yourself. I think it's all about helping you build newer habits that are successful habits that then become automatic and you don't have to do all the tracking. This just helps you get to that point. And, you know, for all the people who are sitting there thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but it sounds like too much work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or it sounds too, especially applied to love, it sounds too unsexy, right? Sure. What would you say to that? I say it's not. It actually becomes even more sexy. And here's why. Um, but before I talk about the sexy part, I'm going to say one thing about uh, keeping this simple. I track a lot of stuff, but I've been doing this for years. First, one that I tell people to start off with is track every day brushing your teeth. Start with one thing. Track one thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's brushing your teeth. Some people are really good at that and they, it's already a habit. Some people are like, yeah, I should brush more. Identify something small that's easy that you should do every single day that you might not do every day and just um, track it. Uh, one good story is, um, what's his name from uh, Seinfeld? Jerry Seinfeld. When he was becoming a comedian, he had a calendar up on his wall and he had just a 30 day calendar. And every single day he would write, he would write a joke and he put a red line through it, like a cross every single day. And he's like, he never wanted to break the chain, the chain of all the X's all the way through. Same thing with this app. It gets you on fire. It shows you, Hey, keep it up every single day, every single day and building that habit. So go with something small and simple. Start with one thing, start doing it for a week or two. Once that becomes easier, add something else. And, um, and if you need some ideas on what to add in, look at the wheel of life. Look at your relationships, your finance, um, you know, your physical, your, your, your fitness, your social. 
look at the, the wheel of life, all the different aspects of your life and ask yourself, what's one habit, one thing I'd like to change there and make that something you, you track, start doing uh, on a daily basis. So that's how to break it down simply. I hope, hope that helps. Yeah, that's really powerful. What about the objection? Uh-huh. We're playing objection handling now that, you know, especially with, with love and relationships and sex, you know, for a lot of people, they expect that this stuff should just happen and putting intention and putting thoughtfulness and putting data and structure is, you know, it just feels like a turnoff. Hmm. How yeah. do you, I'm curious, related to that? Well, let's see, I guess it can seem unsexy when you're like, you're tracking your sex life. Um, what comes out of that is like, you realize how much you are or aren't having sex and then you can like be oh wow i can't believe this it's been this long but yet we tell other people that we have sex multiple times a week um so how do you make it sexier i mean megan and i just love it because we're both data nerds in that way but i think that it's important to love yourself and respect your relationship enough to like stop to get out of autopilot mode a lot of us get in relationships, you get used to each other and you get used to your patterns and you start to get into these patterns that may or may not be healthy. The, the tracking part can be a game, can be fun to actually help you both get to new, new, new stages in your life. Um, if it, sex is a big part of it, intimacy is a big part of it. If you start to feel the, the if date nights fall off the calendar, for example, and, and you just, you're getting into these old patterns, you're just Netflixing at night and going to bed and there's no intimacy, that might be a, a cause for some change. And so that's where you can create a challenge for each other to say, hey, let's do one thing each week and track that we did it. And, and, and that way you can kind of build up a momentum of something brand new. Because if you just say, we're going to go do it, a lot of people go do it for maybe three or four days or three or four weeks and then it kind of falls off. But when you're tracking it, you can then measure, right? You can, you'll sure you can manage what you're measuring. You say, hey, we're going to make this commitment together for our relationship together. Let's put it on the calendar, but also track that we're doing it every single time. And then add incentives or disincentives or not disincentives, but like negatives where, hey, if we don't go do this, what are we going to, um, where's, where, where could be, where, where could that hurt us? Where should we put money into a, a different account over here? Or should we, you know, um, have to go do workout push-ups or something, whatever you're trying to avoid, I think it's a good way of creating a catalyst for um, your relationship together and then looking back on that and measuring it, uh, the success. Now, I think another, another thing that Megan and I do that's really unique is that we do daily and weekly scoring of each other in a relationship. Mm. So not like an, you did this, you know, I did this. It's a in our five love languages, and then in our finance relate in our relationship is the five love languages: finances, social, um, basically all the different areas of our relationship. We score how well I did for Megan, and Megan does how uh, how I did for Megan, and how I did for myself, and then how Megan did for herself, and Megan did for me. We have a draw line in the sand, and we score these, and at the end of the day. Um, if I thought, if Megan thought we were super connected, we're, our relationship's like a nine and I said a three, it's cause for concern, right? It's, well, why'd you put a three there? And not, not in a non, and not an emotional, like attacking way. Just like, I'm that's weird. I felt really connected to you today. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I didn't really feel connected. Yeah. You, 
You might have touched me on the shoulder. You might have given me some love, but I didn't feel it here. And then we can talk about it. And then if our intimacy and our sex is, is a little bit low, we're like ones or twos and threes. Like, dude, we got to get it up there. We're competitive people. So we want to be up at like nines and tens. So having that daily kind of check-in um, or even just a weekly check-in starting with that helps you to stay in, in line and alignment as a relationship, I feel. Using those numbers to like have a conversation around it when it normally just kind of get buried. Somebody's going to feel something. And if we don't bring it up, eh, it's not the right time. It just gets buried and lost. And that builds up that resentment and that builds up feelings. Whereas if we just use a data and a scoring system to talk it out, it's done. It's there. We've let it go. And we've had a discussion. If we need to go deeper into it, we, we, we have some time around it. So maybe it's not as sexy, but I think it's all about having a better relationship that can be long, long lasting and more romantic. Right. And you know, what it brings up is how important is it to you that your needs are being met? And how important is it and how much are you prioritizing those needs being met? Yeah. And, you know, in a relationship, just like in business, we are living in a perception inside a perception, right? Because my idea of you, AJ, is may have nothing to do with reality, right? Yeah. Each one of us, we have some mental picture, some mental image we've fleshed out of the other person. And the other person might not be that person. They might have never been that right. person. Also, people change. So having a shared context and finding a way to converge rather than what happens in most relationships is people diverge. And we still hold that same self-concept, both for ourselves and for the other, um, which is our assumption of who the other person is based on when we first met them based on yes. the original context of our relationship and we're actually often very closed off to our partners changing to our team members and our business changing to you know just all the different variables in our life changing because human beings are deeply 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 uncomfortable and avoidant yep. of change yep. because the familiar is safe that's the reptilian brain's mandate and the unfamiliar is dangerous. So as much as possible, keep everything exactly the same. And so using this habit, this hygiene of tracking and using that as the beginning of a conversation, you scored a nine, I scored a three. Well, let's talk about this. I'm curious, what is, you know, what makes this a nine for you? What makes this a three for me? And that's the beginning of a conversation that can result in convergence. Yep. Con and con completely change yeah. the trajectory of relationship yeah. just yeah. on these little conversations whereas yeah. normally they wouldn't come up or they fester so much they become a fight and that's where we see a lot of other 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 couples have the the challenge we're like this thing you're fighting over is so simple it's so it's just a conversation but like you said people get in their patterns and they get into these ways of avoiding the change and avoiding that hurt um, because it's gotten so deep and so raw Lee and I actually run our relationship like a business. Mm. So we have a plan, a vision, just like, you know, you have a business plan. There's a relationship plan. We have a manifesto for the relationship, just like there's, you know, vision statement for a business. We have meetings. We have team meetings. Um, we have retrospectives, which, you know, I borrow from the software development world where there's a retrospective for every sprint, every release. Mm. And, you know, we discuss what went well this week. What didn't go so well this week? What would we like to change? What are some lessons we learned? What are things we're grateful for? 
And this practice of taking stock, of continually assessing, getting on the same page and asking these questions, I think a lot of the strength of our relationship goes goes to that. We've been through a lot of like roller coaster ups and downs. But the fact that we can talk about it, the fact that we can talk about anything yeah. is, I think, key to our success. And I find the same thing in business because for most entrepreneurs, you know, this kind of attention and conscious, um, this conscious bringing of things into awareness is where things really go wrong. Because when we don't have information, we make assumptions and our assumptions are projections. And in, in, in the climate that we're in right now, because there's uncertainty, because there's not enough information, there's not enough um, confidence, we are projecting from our unconscious fears, from our unconscious doubts. And these things get projected and we take it as fact. We take it as information and we make decisions based on these unconscious projections rather than actual metrics. Yeah, you you said it so well. I love how you put things. Um, you know, I guess I'm curious uh, how you both, how you and Lee, you know, started that. Like, right? So newer relationships are different than the ones that have been going for a while. So we've got, I'm sure, people listening that are in the beginning of a relationship, wanting to get in a relationship, and the ones that have been in it for a while. So um, Megan and I have been together for five years. Uh, and we, I think we started those habits off in the early because it was about, we're going to have a, a value of transparency. We mean a lot to each other. We want to continue getting better for each other. Let's make a commitment right now that we're always going to be honor and respect each other to talk about stuff, but also allow the space to like have feedback and accept feedback that's loving, although it might hurt and, and it may, may want to avoid it. Um, that was, that was big. We call them awkward conversations. Megan, Megan actually called them awkward conversations. Like let's have those awkward conversations more often than not and do the check-ins. Ours was always in the shower. We just like mm. talking in the shower. It's an intimate place. It's a contained, it's a container. Uh, also just love water. I'm a Pisces. We, we both enjoy that space to just go, go, go in. It's probably not the most, you know, best use of water, <laughs> but it's a great place for us to have the meetings. Um, and so each couple, I think, or anybody in a relationship, whether it's a partnership, a business relationship, or an intimate relationship, just needs to start carving out that time to, whether you call it review my data or what, it's just, it's just taking the time to stop thinking about all the stresses and just like be present and ask the questions. How are we doing? What did we do? Look, look in the rear view mirror a little bit before we press the gas and go forward again. So those, those moments of reflection can really define the relationship and really help us um, plot, it, plot a better path in the future. Yeah, I love that. What, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced in this, on this journey, both maybe on the relationship or the business front, because I imagine that you didn't get to this place of being you know, relentlessly self-aware you know, dedicated to tracking, becoming conscious of, you know, what's happening based on look, making a practice of looking, you know, in the rearview mirror and being so thoughtful and intentional with things. What have been some of the 
the roadblocks, the speed bumps, and how did you navigate those? Man, I started early. My grandfather was my best friend in the whole world. He helped me establish a lot of this early on about being self-development focused and working with mentors. Like I had a lot of mentors in my life that always helped me have those moments of reflection and like self-introspection. So it's been a part of my childhood. Literally, I was just like brought up that way. My parents were like that, my grandfather. Um, so I think I was very lucky and very blessed and I'm very thankful for the way I was brought up and the, the early decisions I made as an entrepreneur. Uh, having been an entrepreneur since I was like 10 or nine. Um, so I guess I, I have a unique case. I just always been like that. Uh, data didn't really come into my world because my, my dad is a very, very smart man. He's a, um, a farming strategy, a consultant, a soil doctor, PhD, was very numbers driven engineering mind. And my mom was more on the social, creative um, people side. So I had this mixture of both engineer and creative to have kind of a divergent thinking because I'm nowhere near as nerdy as Megan. She's incredible with numbers. She she can look at numbers and see things, that, patterns. I, I'm like, I don't see that. She's amazing in that way. And she gets in the data. She gets really, really, really detailed with it. Whereas I can see the data and I know where to go with it and what how to steer the ship in a different way. So data was really uh, taught to me marketing-wise. It didn't come up until about maybe 10 years ago where I saw how really important numbers are to making the decisions instead of just kind of going based on gut um, all the time. So that's, that's kind of my, my journey and my perspective, but I don't know if I answered your question. Let me ask you a slightly different question. Okay. I think this one might be more meaningful. What do most people misunderstand about you? Ooh. Yeah, you're going deep, aren't you? People misunderstand me. Um, I would say they may think I have it all figured out, that I have it all together, that I'm, um, yeah, that I have it all figured out and, and all together. And I don't. Um, I used to think I really did, but the older I get, I realize I don't, and I'm just constantly learning. Um, and I have gotten amazing people around me. I truly believe no one succeeds alone. And I can be a testament to that. I, I haven't done all this stuff my, on my own. Megan has been an incredible partner. I've had other partners that taught me lessons. Some of them were successful and some of them failed. But with Megan and the team we have now, I'm more proud that, prouder than ever to like, as an entrepreneur, step back and stop trying to do it all. Start trying to force it all. Stop trying to control it all. And like find amazing people to step in and be in their art and their craft and their passion and their excitement. And just like being more of an observer and a holder of space than just driving forward. And I'm 38 years old. Nope, I'm 39 years old. Um, as of this month, <laughs> that's right. Um, pandemic, birthday, I kind of lost track. But um, it's, it's, been, it's been okay letting people understand. I don't have it all figured out. But I'm just being better at being vulnerable. And you've been an amazing help. To me, just on the conversations we had of just like letting go of that steel armor of like, I'm perfect and I'm all this and just realizing, realizing I'm not, that's okay. Here's another sentence stem for you. I'm enjoying these, uh, these quick rapid fire questions. If you could really see me, you would see that dot, dot, dot. If you could see me, 
if you could really see me, you would see that I really care, sometimes at a detriment, but I really, really, really care about people and about what's going on in their lives and in the world. You'd see that I'm not as smart as I I'm not as smart as I thought I was or as I project myself to be. And you would see that I depend on people a lot more than my, I depend on people um, in a big way in my life. It's my people, my number one most valued asset. Those are three that come to mind. I like that question though. I'm going to journal on that later because that's like really good. What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, we're talking legend here. Like that's changed several times in my life. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, um, oh man, what's the, there's a book called, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll remember it later on, but it talks about like imagining your, your death, your funeral and having like, seeing what if you're a fly on the wall looking at your your actual ceremony and what do you want people to say about you and so that's that's how i kind of like to ask that question is well i want to be i want to be somebody that people said like i was a really loving caring person that brought out the best in others mm. just really loving caring person that like helped really make an impact in people's lives and it's not about money for me it's not about some of those other things though i love i enjoy money and i think it's an important tool the end of the day, it's like I want to have a, have a, have had an impact on people to change a trajectory in their life, from, you know, maybe it's small to big ones. I like being a part of that process and having been that catalyst or that inspiration. Mm, I feel the resonance of that. Mm -hmm. Love to what, inspire. Yeah. What's an edge you're exploring these days? Ooh. An edge I'm exploring is it's, it's an edge and is a little bit of a struggle of redefining my worth to the business now as my roles change. I've been a loss for a little bit, figuring out like I like the hustle. I, I enjoy being in the hustle, but then sometimes it's like Megan, the CEO, she's the, she's the real boss. She's the CEO. I'm the chief growth officer, but we're operators. Um, my edge is, is constantly figuring out where do I fit into this business? Where do I fit in, in, in my relationships with my team? And as we're hiring more and more people and I'm getting like out of the day-to-day, -day, it's kind of like, what do I do with my hands? Like, right, Will Ferrell, <laughs> like, what do I do with my hands? I'm starting to, I also see myself jumping into different places where I used to be to kind of help. It's like, whoop, I'm not helping anything. So it's the edge is, what is my edge? What is my new definition in this company and i look to my team and megan and and and, and our partners to kind of help figure that out and with this new pandemic and everything going on and you as a, as a mentor and a coach as well in my life it's helping me find an edge of being on talks to, uh, on like lives like this creating more videos getting more content out getting my my inner message out to people uh, and, and knowing that like, oh, I don't have to keep preparing and perfect that. I just need to start getting it out. So my edge is where I would normally like, oh, I'm not ready to build a bigger platform for myself or get our data rich stuff out there or put myself out there more because I'm really not ready and I'm not as good at this data stuff as some of these other data scientists. That's my edge right now.
is just making sure I connect and communicate that well and be consistent with that. Wow. I feel, I feel how vulnerable that process is and the depths to which you're diving inside yourself in really Thank you. My heart's, my heart's beating a little bit. Yeah, I <laughs> you, feel you, that. You're the only other person, Megan, I've talked to about that, about how it, it's kind of like, it's like kind of ready to come out. And when you asked me to do this thing, I'm like, I got to say yes to this stuff and just keep keep doing it. I did a couple podcasts yesterday on my own without Megan. And, and sometimes part of my edge is like being with Megan, her and I together is like how we do a lot of things. But then- I've lost a little bit of my own individuality in that. Where am I? Where do I stand without her? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we're like this force to be reckoned with and this power couple and this, this group thing we're doing, but then I've got my own voice too. There's other things I want to say in a little bit differently. And so that's, that's definitely my edge. That's the first time I've publicly said that. Now a lot of people are hearing that. And, and this is, you know, real footage of you exploring that edge. Yeah, totally. Quite, Thank you for bringing that up. Quite admirably. I, you know, I would say I really want to acknowledge that because it's happening right now in real time. Thank you. Well, you're you're fantastic at bringing that out in people. And in my experience, every time I have a, a I have t- share space and time with you, it gets easier. So you're mm-hmm. you're helping bring that out without even consciously coaching me. You're unconsciously able to do that. So thank you. Thank you. I received that. What's something you really want to celebrate about yourself right now with me and with everyone here? I want to celebrate that, that we're here, that we're okay. And I want to celebrate that we're all going to get through this. Um, and that we're all just getting up and showing up every single day. It's not perfect, but it's an amazing time to be alive. I think out of this whole recession, we're going to see some incredible things change in our society. And I'm really looking forward to that stuff. Um, and I want to be a light and a helpful source to anybody who's got a lot of fear, who's got a lot of uncertainty and who's like maybe scared shitless of what's going on. Let's have a conversation. Listen to things like this with, with Ani. Let's, uh, let's, let's just talk about it and get through it together. Um, that's, that's, I think I, I like to be a light, lighthouse in the dark times because I bring a lot of enthusiasm. I always have that glass half full, which drives Megan nuts sometimes, but like, I like to be a lighthouse. And so I'll I'll celebrate that part. And I'll say like, we've all got this ability to persevere as human beings. And we're going to be, we're going to be even better coming out of this. I'll hold to that. AJ, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait to have you back on the show. I think we could talk for days and weeks. Live a lot of things, a lot of things we can talk about. I would love to do that. Yes. Thank you for having me. And thanks for uh, asking some awesome questions. I hope this was helpful. And if anybody wants to comment or ask questions or connect, I'm here to do that. Yeah. And let people know where they can find you and what you're up to in the world these days. And maybe a little bit of a teaser of, you know, the direction you're heading. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that. It's under AJ Yeager, just A-J-Y-A-G-E-R. Um, praxismetrics.com is our website that for our, our business intelligence. If you have businesses in income or selling anything online, we can help consult with you and um, help you take your business to a whole new place. But um, where I'm headed is really kind of digging deeper into what we talked about today. 
how do we use data in our lives and our business to become uh, to make better decisions and what I call data rich because data is not going anywhere, folks. There's going to be more and more data everywhere. We're going to start having pieces of clothing like this that track data. We're going to have things that are tying and helping our health uh, so much, uh, helping our health get dialed in by looking at our data. So we don't need to be mathematicians. We don't need to be data scientists. My new kind of critical mission here is to help people understand how to use data in their daily lives to make those better decisions and hit their goals faster and build their habits and simplify that whole discussion. So my this data-rich concept, I'm going to be putting more and more content out on all the different social media platforms. And I'll have you on my show so that we can talk in a different way and bring light to that. Um, so that's kind of my new, my new um, push that's going to push my edge. And that's kind of me putting out there in public to like, hey, to be accountable to do that, as well as driving our company forward to help companies uh, to, to help our clients get through this crazy time we're in uh, and uh, get rid of that uncertainty and have confidence and build, continue growing, focus on what's, uh, what's important. So that's me. I'm looking, I always love having conversations on messenger or LinkedIn or wherever you are. And I'm pretty much on all of those uh, uh, a few times a day. Beautiful. AJ, it's a sincere joy and pleasure. And I really appreciate having you in my life, having you on the show sharing you with this community and can't wait to to do this again with you same here my man thank, thank you, you for everything i appreciate you so much bye yeah. everybody have a good one stay safe and healthy beautiful if you guys enjoyed this episode please like share this with someone you care about leave a review um throw a five-star rating it really helps get the word out to yeah. people and share messages like these and insights like these to the people who need it the most so your support is really appreciated yeah. And until next time, goodbye for now. Ciao. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. At